are Wrestling Elitists. Welcome to week four as we prepare for Full Gear on November 14th. I am your host, Alex Gibson, alongside the best trio partners a guy could ask for, Sean Nash and Chris Scott Moore. What's going on, fellas? Hello, hello. Hey, buddy. Nice to see your, your faces again. I think this week has been a really good week in wrestling. Uh, you know, I think two weeks ago we were kind of complaining that it was a little bit slow. Uh, but there was a lot to really like this week, and we're actually going to kind of change up the format this week with something that's a little bit darker. Um, so typically the format would be we discuss our match of the week, segment of the week, news item of the week, cringe of the week, and then what we're anticipating moving forward. But this week, uh, I think we all had the same news item of the week. We think it's the biggest news item, you know, kind of across the board. So we wanted to kind of start with that and address it. And that would be the John Moxley situation. So he announced... Uh, last week, or he had Tony Khan announce that he had checked himself into an in, inpatient facility for uh, alcohol dependency, and, and he's going to be taken away some time away from the ring, uh, and then pulled out of the Eliminator tournament, which he was then replaced by Miro. So, just to kind of talk about our thoughts with that for myself, you know, I've been reading Ryan Holiday's book called Courage is Calling, and one of the major themes of the book is how doing the right thing is rarely the easy thing telling the truth is more important than any reason that you might have to lie. And I think that Mox really showed an incredible amount of courage this past week in both checking himself into rehab for his family, uh, for AEW and, and for his own, own health, but then also taking another step further and admitting it to the public audience rather than trying to do a cover up. We saw how good AEW is at keeping something quiet when they need to with the Brody Lee situation just a year ago. He could have easily just waited to see if it came out in the dirt sheets or, you know, just said it was a personal matter and hoped that it never came out, but he addressed it. And I think that addressing it and then also allowing it to be brought up on the show, um, you know, it's not something that I think is being used as a vehicle for entertainment. It's being used as a opportunity to let other people know that it's okay to have a problem, but what you need to do is take the right steps to fix it and correct it. Um, cause when you don't change something, then you're choosing it. I thought that, uh, it, he just showed a tremendous amount of courage and I feel like the openness and really just the vulnerability that Moxley showed, even though he didn't necessarily do it on camera for us, uh, was admirable. And I think it really speaks volumes to the type of company that AEW is and the way that they handled it. So, uh, would love to get kind of your guys' thoughts as well. Uh, Chris, Oh, uh, actually let's go with Sean. Um, yes, of course we have our well wishes to him, his family, his wife and brand new baby. Um, it's hard to hear because we can all probably count on maybe one hand, like people that we've encountered in life who might've had problems of any kind of addiction, um, and especially alcohol or drugs. It just really, it takes so much courage to come up you go public with it to the whole world and just get in front of it and tell your own truth and narrative before someone else does it for you. Um, uh, hopefully it was seen like it looked like on Renee's pod our podcast, uh, her Instagram, they're moving out of Vegas and back to Ohio where he's from. So hopefully getting closer to family might be a bit big help once he gets out, but it's, uh, it's sad to hear, but we just wish him the best and hope that he comes back healthy and a great member of his family. Yeah. On the surface, this seems like a sad story, but in reality, it's a celebratory one. 
And it's a story that brought a very tribalistic internet wrestling community together. No one is pissed off that the storyline is different than what they expected. And across the board, everyone is supporting him. And there's not even like shitty dark jokes on Reddit or anything along those lines. Because at the end of the day, what every wrestling fan does not want to see happen is another wrestler die prematurely. We made a joke off air just between the three of us that, you know, we've been on the air with a show here for three weeks and there hasn't been a big prominent name in the industry die yet. And that's just how often it does happen. And no one wants to see a dead wrestler. And no one also wants to see another story of a wrestler who uh, drank himself or drugged himself into being a shitty father, a shitty husband, and can't pay his taxes and a complete embarrassment publicly. Nobody wants to see that. So it's good that he did get that help and everyone is okay with it. CM Punk did a promo that came off like he was speaking as Phil Brooks and not CM Punk when he mentioned that there's times when you want to do things for other people and that hamster wheel is going so hard because you want to make everyone happy, but you do have to slow down and take care of yourself. Uh, to go into a personal story, and I won't overshare, but I think it's important because like Alex uh, brought up, it's courageous and there's nothing embarrassing about it. I needed to get help. I didn't get help for probably 12 years of my adulthood. And when I finally did get help and saw a professional and saw to a therapist, I immediately saw how my life would be better. And about six months or so after starting therapy, I realized I needed to take some time off work so I could take my diagnosis and treatment more seriously. And I did. And when I came back, no one gave me shit. No one mocked. No one said anything negative at all. Because at the end of the day, people secretly really do care for you. They don't want to see you suffer and they don't want to see anything bad happen to you. And if anything uh, can be taken away and brought back to you, the listener, is with like Alex and I are in HR. We'll tell you from like a crass cynical standpoint, it's a lot cheaper to make sure that you get treatment as opposed to hiring someone new. Like at the end of the day, from like a dollars and cents standpoint, it's true. Like it's it's easier just to make sure that you're doing well and that you're healthy. And if you take FMLA or whatever it is that you need to take, uh, that's cheaper than bringing someone else new in the organization. So take uh, the opportunities that you get. You have FML, you have um, uh, EAP. At most employers have that. So take advantage of it and don't be shy. Talk to someone, reach out, get help from a professional because the greatest thing in the world is getting that solved and getting it resolved. It doesn't get, it's, it's never perfect, but it's manageable. Um, and I'm assuming too, like a lot of our listeners, uh, wrestling fans, we, I think we all kind of carry around with us a certain amount of depression or a certain amount of something. Like we all kind of have our shit and that kind of brings us together. So talk to someone, there's people here that want you to be doing well and doing better and, it's the greatest feeling in the world when your life becomes manageable and you get to really enjoy the highs in life and you don't have that anxiety and you don't have that humiliation and embarrassment anymore. I would like to just, just to add on to that real quick as well, in terms of getting help, uh, just plug the, the, the way that I've used therapy over the last few years, which is a, a site called openpath.org. It's for uh, people who can't afford traditional costs of therapy. Uh, it's, regular therapists that offer a discounted rate and then you can kind of slowly work your way up as you gain more and more uh you know earnings in your life you can kind of then increase it and and kind of pay it back a little bit super helpful for me and i know that a lot of people it's daunting the price that they see so i just want to uh, shout them out as well because i i absolutely 
love going to my therapist. I never would have came across him without Open Path. Um, so I know that that was kind of a uh, a heavy start to this. <laughs> On a lighter note, <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, in, in prior, before we go into our match of the week stuff, just to kind of check off on like other areas that, you know, we want to talk about that we normally would at the beginning of a show. Um, just want to remind everybody to, to check out our website. Speaking of mocks, uh, Chris just finished up and I think, I don't think it's been posted yet, but it should be probably yeah, in the next day or so, uh, his review of mocks versus Omega at the first full gear back in 2019, which was in the lights out unsanctioned match. It's uh, super interesting to hear, you know, Chris is somebody who doesn't uh, always love hardcore matches. I think Sean and I are equally as uncomfortable at them at some times. Definitely. Uh, so I think it's a really interesting article and, and it's it's fair in its criticisms and also in, you know, kind of the triumphs that were in the match. So definitely look out for that. Um, I also have another article that should be coming out in the next day or so um, that it's been sent for to be published. So that'll be uh, touching on just kind of how great of a time it is to be a fan. It's something that we kind of talked about in the first episode, really, but I think it just kind of expands on that. And then we've got more and more coming. One last note on Mox. We all bought his book. Chris, I think, already finished it, uh, Overachiever. Uh, <laughs> I've I've read the inside cover. I was busy this weekend. I'm a slow uh, reader. We will, <laughs> we will be doing a review of some sort. I don't know if it'll be uh, an article review or if it'll be a podcast review, most likely a podcast so please look out for that in the next, hopefully, next few weeks. And then we'll also be doing our uh, preview show this week for Full Gear. Hopefully on Thursday we'll be recording. So it'll be out Thursday night, Friday morning for everyone to listen to. And uh, it's it's a busy week in terms of wrestling. It's an exciting week. Yeah. I think um, it's actually weird to think that Full Gear was supposed to be this past Saturday in St. Louis before they moved it because of the UFC event. It feels like this extra week, there's still so much to build towards. So it'll be interesting to see how everything goes. And um, I don't know if I think Friday's show is a live go home show. I hope it is. Yeah, that's it is, always yeah. the best. Mm-hmm. Sweet. That's that's kind of the exciting thing about Rampage as you go into a go home show is that it's live. So lots to look forward to. But uh, just kind of looking back on this past week, uh, I would love to get into our match of the week. And uh, Chris, why don't you start us off letting us know what you thought was was the winner of that. Yeah. So my favorite match of the week was FTR versus Aerostar. And I'm going to say Kalisto because I forgot his fucking name and I feel terrible about it, but whatever. Samurai Dussel. <laughs> Samurai Dussel, yeah. Fantastic match. I really enjoyed how those two meshed together. I thought initially that the luchadors they were going to wrestle would be MJF and Sean Spears under like another silly gimmick hood. Uh, but this was a good bout. I love the high spots. I'm not the biggest luchador wrestling fan myself. It's not my personal favorite just because of the cooperation spots in there. They were innovative. I like the story that it told. My favorite moment of the match, though, by far, uh, there's a spot where Aerostar gets tagged in and he just randomly does all those cartwheels and attacks <laughs> and walks up to him and says, fuck you, flicks him off. But he still backs away like a coward. Like it's so just that his, that's his character to a T. I laughed so hard watching that live. Where I don't care what happened next, that was going to be like a highlight for me. It was so much fun. That character is hilarious. That tag team is hilarious. And at the very end of the match, when Cash won with the roll up and grabbing the ropes, 
it's very difficult to see. It's like maybe two frames, but as he's rolling outside of the ring, he's laughing his ass off. <laughs> it's just so great. Those two are the best uh, as a tag team, and they're building so much momentum to uh, the match against the Lucha Bros, which I think is going to be a show stealer and going to be one of those classic matchups. Excited as hell to see it. That was my match of the week. What about you guys? Before we jump into the match of the week, I just want to say Aerostar's taunt of that, all those front flips, that 100% felt like a random taunt that would be in like a SmackDown Here Comes the Pain video game. Yes. Like when I was yeah, watching yeah. that, that just felt like a random, like a creator wrestler taunt that you could have. I, I loved that. The amount of times that Aerostar just like f- jumped into the air outside the ring and slammed his own body on the ground was insane. Like he just has zero pain in his body or like, a great pain subscription because prescription because <laughs> that man just was throwing himself everywhere. Um, but to go into my match of the week, I had to go with um, a match that they also got involved in FTR was uh, Cody versus Andrade. It um, was another great match by Andrade. I gave it three stars. Um, we, we kind of have been going back and forth with every week. Cody, just kind of did something on the show that we're not really happy with cringy worthy. Um, this, at least he just kind of stayed in the ring and wrestled and nothing really came out of his mouth. Uh, I think that was something that was pretty interesting to it before was Malachi Black's comments of there was more than one blade in Caesar's back. And it made me wonder where's this going to come from? And then at the end of the match, we kind of see this little hesitation of Arn to pull out that Glock and hit Tully with it. And I'm wondering, is that where it's going to be? Or, I mean, Rome was a whole town, so there could be the whole Nightmare Factory, his wife. I'm interested to see if that's building from that. Are we going to see the the whole AEW locker room go against their uh, EVP or whatever his title is? And um, throughout the match, both of them really showed off their second generation lineage with uh, throwing in those Dusty Rhodes punches and the the roll ups and uh, uh, Rick Flair's fi- uh, Rick Flair's figure four, just great seeing Andrade using his soon to be father in law move. Um, and of course, he's always using three amigos, but uh, I loved it. Um, and for a Cody match, that's not really saying something. Um, thankfully, Andrade took the first pin. We'll see when Cody gets his makeup. Uh, what about you, Alex? So I was in the same boat as you. I I really enjoyed that Andrade versus Cody match. Um, you know, we mentioned at the beginning that there was a really good week of wrestling. There wasn't any four star matches for me. This was a three star match. Chris's match, the FTR uh, versus Samurai Del three Sol stars, and yeah. Aerostar, mm-hmm. that was a three star match for me as well. But they were really good quality. They were just good quality television matches. Good quality three star matches. Three stars is uh, to make another HR reference like. When you're doing a performance review, everyone thinks that three is bad because it doesn't sound that good. But you're like, three means you're doing your job. And that's what everyone was doing this week. Um, for me, I, I I really enjoyed both those matches. I felt like Andrade versus Cody, I, I've loved Andrade since his NXT days. So to see him slowly becoming the Andrade that we know he is has been really exciting. To see them kind of continuing this stuff with FTR where... Uh, afterwards too there was the exchange i think they showed it on rampage with 
MJF and yeah, Andrade where he's paying and he's kind of being offensive once again about like, give me more money. You know that that's leading to those two feuding eventually. That's going to be great. That three amigo spot where the third amigo was him doing like a turnbuckle, like suplex brutal. was brutal. It was great. Um, just a real good match, an enjoyable Cody match. It was definitely, there's always a manager interference of some sort in a Cody match, but it didn't feel overbooked in that sense, which it seems like it has been uh, most of the time with him lately. So <laughs> no complaints from me when it comes to that match. Uh, just to kind of touch back on the the FTR, you know, them just being great. I I cannot get enough of them. If they were in every segment at this point, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, so, I love watching them in any segment they could possibly be in. They always steal the show, and they're complimentary while stealing the show. They're not looking for the spotlight. They're just adding an interesting color and flavor to everything that they do. It's incredible to think about back in their NXT days, even when we we enjoyed them back then when they kind of first debuted. I think they were called like the Mechanics or something like that. Yeah, I couldn't. I didn't even know who. Like, I didn't know whose name was what. Like, there was no separation. They don't look alike. But I was like, which one's this one? Which one's the other one? And even when they were on the main roster, I really barely knew. But in AEW, they're they're just two separate stars that are really good together. I never want to see them break up. I don't think they ever would. But I love them. They're really, really hitting their stride. And you, you see all these guys that bet on themselves when they leave You know, a comfortable job. They are asking to be let go. And AEW has just given so many guys a chance to truly do that. Brody, FTR. We're kind of starting to see it with Andrade. Malachi Black with all his promos have been great. Miro. It's just been one after another, these guys who bet on themselves. And it looks like uh, they they won out. Moving on to our moment of the week. Uh, we actually, once again, we are. I used the word last week and I'm going to say it again. Synergy. All three of us. Same There's a reason for we're our friends. moment of the week. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, I we all had the uh, Punk and Kingston promo from Rampage this week. I I wanted to choose some other things just because I loved so many things that happened. But yeah. I genuinely I thought that you guys should rightfully yell at me and mock me if I chose some of the other things that I was thinking of, such as the Miro promo or just kind of him, you know, taking over Moxley's spot. But going into that Punk and Kingston promo. We all knew, and we kind of talked about it last week as well. We all knew that Punk versus MJF would be a great promo battle. We kind of knew that Kingston and Punk would be a great promo battle, but we didn't really think about it because we were so focused on him getting MJF eventually. But they were so good. Eddie Kingston, to me, is every time he cuts a promo, I feel like he's being legitimate. I don't ever feel like he's playing a character. That is Eddie Kingston. It's the cliche of it's your character is you turned up to an 11. That's exactly who he is. Punk did a great job uh, kind of right before the scuffle with him saying, oh, hey, do me a favor. After I beat after I beat you up, take another seven years off. That was such a good way to provoke him to getting into the fight rather than Eddie just attacking him, actually provoking Punk to do it. There's a little bit of a blurring of lines to me, even with how mean Punk was in that promo of Eddie's not necessarily the heel in this. I mean, he's a little bit of the delusional person that's, you know, the world's conspiring against me. So there definitely is some heelish aspects to him. But Punk was being mean to him as well. So this is a really interesting feud because 
it's almost like two tweeners and I don't know who to root for. I I think Punk comes out on top, but I almost want Eddie to because I love Eddie so much. Yeah, physiology, just the way that they were standing across the ring. Um, Punk was in the corner. He was physically just kind of keeping himself at a distance from Kingston. Kingston was snarling and moving around and very visible, shaking him in his face and so forth. The shots that he made, and I think this was a Jerry Lawler belief style or one of those guys, but if you're if you're going like to do a working shoot promo, you have to make people think that there's enough reality in there for it to land. I bet all of that is fictional. I doubt any of that is legitimate, but the way they performed it made it seem like it was genuine or they could conceivably make you think that was the frame of reference that Punk had on Kingston when he first joined ROH. Uh, some of the things that were mentioned, though, um, where Punk called him a bum, it, it, like just a simple insult, but boy, oh boy, that got under his skin so much. And you could see how upset he was and how frustrated and humiliated he was to hear that. And I bet there probably was some truth to it, too. Like, you know, in, in the sense of his, his character sense of thinking that, like, yeah, you probably you were a bum. You didn't turn into what you were supposed to be. Um, and they both have such a desire and they both have such a want for their perspectives. Uh, they've wanted to say this shit to each other for years and years and years. And that also made it seem real, especially the moment when Kingston came up to Punk and got in his face and said, no one wants you here. Uh, that seemed very real, even though we know that that's not true. Um, but it did strike a chord and it made it feel like, oh, this is the real deal shit going on right here. And then when Punk countered back with, uh, maybe we should do something and, and dine on uh, uh, Dark Elevation because that's more your style. Or, or, or sorry, that's more your speed uh, was just brutal to say that to him. So I love the intensity that they had and that it grew. It was probably one of the best segments they've ever had, I would say. Like, at least maybe their best in-ring promo duel they've ever done as a promotion. I know that sounds a little bit highfalutin, and maybe I'm just caught in the moment, but I felt they really went at each other viciously, and it got me into the match, and I was, like you guys, I think for weeks, we're like, what's CM Punk going to do, and how come he doesn't have a few he can sink his teeth into? It was timed perfectly. This was the right moment, and it made you want to watch that pay-per-view for this match. And I didn't think there, there was a, an ability to get me more hyped up for any other for, – for a match more than Moxley and Hangman. And so they got Omega. my money. <laughs> Omega and Hangman? Omega and Hangman. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Wait, what did I say? Yeah. You said, you said Moxley. Moxley. Oh, well, it's on my, he's in my thoughts. You're right. Yeah, it uh, it really didn't take any time at all to get us heated up for this pay-per-view uh, match because we were just talking two weeks ago. How are they going to get this going after a, a loss to uh, Brian Danielson? They they put it into full gear in, in one 15, 10-minute spot, whatever it was. Um, it's interesting that Eddie Kingston really always takes the, like, the plight of the ordinary man kind of dynamic. He, he's got the problems that we've all seen every single day and it's just like he's not the superstar that we see in like cm punk or kenny omega he's a dude off the street who got out of his apartment and came to kick ass in his timberlands just like some of us um and then going head to head with someone like punk who they both came up in the same indie industry and punk made it to the 
the pinnacle of it. Uh, basically, uh, it's crazy to see punk just being able to talk down to someone so much that I've done it. You should have been able to do it because everyone in that locker room that you considered a friend or a mentor saw that ability in you, but you just sat on your ass, just like Brian Danielson said he was doing too. It's kind of this theme of woe is me with Eddie. Um, and like Alex was saying, I think this week kind of had a lot of stuff that could have really fit the moment, but this is something that we've been calling on for seven years as fans of, we wanted CM Punk back in a battle on the mic and that inevitably led into a very personal shot about quitting again that made this to a full on pull apart, which we don't really see in AEW too often. Um, And it's good that they don't do it so often as much as like WWE would, where it kind of just loses its luster and, it really feels more like it's going to be the fight that Eddie Kingston was barking in CM Punk's face uh, than a match. So definitely this this week has got us ready for full gear to come soon. The, the line that Eddie had, I texted you guys as soon as I heard it when he goes, uh, specifically goes to the crowd and says, this is a shot. And then says, this is the only professional wrestling company in America right now was... I, I know it, it can get old when guys take shots at WWE and, you know, say, oh, that other place or up in New York, blah, blah, blah. But I, I liked it in that moment, especially because if I think about the fact that WWE had gone after Eddie, there was rumors that they also had gone after Punk. This feud in WWE would not be nearly as interesting. Seeing these two being real in those moments and not being scripted for those promos made it what it was those two nobody could write what those two said except for those two definitely and while we're going to talk about shots at wwe uh definitely to give a shout out to platinum max caster on his rap on their uh their walkout on rampage just calling out uh brian's father-in-law's a nice little jab Shout out that, to Johnny. That Hayes. was my other moment of the week. I was going to do this actual, uh, actually, too, and say, okay, well, what was your runner-up and what was your silver medalist? And that was mine. I thought that was one of the best uh, diss raps. I was dying laughing hearing that. Yeah, it was great. I, I love, I love Platinum Max, and one of my, I wish that Taz was a dynamite uh, announcer because I love him and Excalibur together, and I love when Platinum Max uh, pops him, and it feels like every week he does. All right, boys, let's move on to our cringe of the week. Uh, Chris, what did you have? Yeah, well, speaking of laying people off and bad creative, let's talk about those NXT cuts. And the frame of reference that I have is, I guess what's frustrating for me as a fan, like no one wants to see these people lose their jobs. And there's a cynic in me that knows that those cuts came out after they did their Q3 report. And the numbers perhaps weren't as what they wanted them to look like. So they got some uh, people off the books to make their stock and companies seem more valuable. Shouldn't have hired all those people in the first place. That's step one. But the other thing of it is, too, if these performers can't get over, it says it, it, it seems to me that there's a thought that their creative is so amazing that they should have been able to get what they were given creatively over. And that's the part that I just think is frustrating and sad. It'd be one thing if we were in the 
I don't know, attitude era where everything is firing on all cylinders and every idea that comes out of creative is really innovative and it's engaging and it's interesting. And they're talking in the ring like Punk and Kingston did where it's authentic, it's gripping, it's real. But that's not the quality of creative that they have right now. So to say that these people can't get it over is insulting and it's probably creating um, a real sense of loss in them because it would be very, very difficult to get caught when it's like, well, you gave me chicken shit. How can I make chicken salad out of that? Uh, for Keith Lee to be called Bearcat Lee is so silly. And just his whole persona and whole run got screwed up. I know he got sick. I know he had medical stuff going on. But nevertheless, that's a guy you store and you and you reheat and you work on and you make him into someone who can be a dynamic presence against a Brock Lesnar because they had a moment together in the Rumble a few years ago where people could conceivably buy into them. Karrion Cross, I was never a huge fan of him. Not, not that I disliked or liked him or had any thinking of him at all, but when you, when you make him job to Jeff Hardy and you put him in demolitions, old gear, of course people aren't going to be into him. And you're acting like that shit was really good and he was supposed to get that over and come off like a star and he just can't. So I felt bad for those guys because it just it, it just shows how warped things are and how much they're not uh, thinking long term. That's that's how it comes off to me. Um, we're in a spot now where there's enough folks to start like another promotion. Uh, maybe that's what you guys want to talk about too. I don't know, but there's so much talent out there that the positive side of it is it's going to give New Japan the opportunity to bring some folks on. Impact will be able to bring people on and uh, Ring of Honor, whatever the hell that turns out to be um, after they get out of their flux and freeze right now, too. So there's a lot of places that these people can go to, but it's sad nonetheless. It's it's extra infuriating knowing what WWE was doing a couple years ago when they were offering everybody five year deals. We heard it. I know a lot of people aren't big fans of the Good Brothers, but. When they got released, they brought up how Triple H said, look, you can go to that other company, but we're giving you a five-year deal and that's, you know, you're, you know, nothing's going to happen to WWE. You're still going to have this. What if AEW doesn't last? And that talked them out of taking that risk, taking that jump. And yes, ultimately it's people who chose not to take a risk and chose to stick with what they thought was safe, but they were seemingly sold a false bill of goods would be my guess. Um, I wasn't in on any of those negotiations, obviously. I don't know what was ever said to them. But to me, there's kind of an obligation, unless there's a real reason to let these people go, to honor their contracts. Otherwise, to me, which I know they have been honoring it a little bit more, I think you need to let it go two ways. Anybody who wants to leave, if AJ Styles decides he wants to leave today, he should be able to give a three-month notice. Um, it's things like that that I find <clears throat> annoying from a, a fan perspective is that these guys can work as hard as they want. They can do anything they can to get over, look at a Zack Ryder. And then at the end of the day, the company can be like, eh, see ya. But then they can't do the same thing when they're feeling frustrated. And to see Keith Lee get kind of the treatment he got after the first survivor series, they made him look like a monster. He was so over. I was in Texas when he returned, that was huge. Um, and then they instantly just didn't care about him anymore. And that's not his fault when creative has nothing for you. 
And then you know that these guys are going to creative and they're just not listening. It's not interesting enough to them. And so then they give them a name like Bearcat or they put them in BDSM outfits. It's just, it's, it's really sad because I think that I, I am getting to a point sometimes where I'm, I'm really negative on WWE internally. Um, I'm getting to a point where they, they, I feel like if AEW didn't exist, I think my, my fandom for wrestling would be more than dwindling. I think it would be pretty much gone. I'd be finding something, I'd be in the curling or something because they just, they, (laughs) they, they ruin, they, they take guys that have so much talent. If the rumors that they, you know, the whole budge thing with Adam Cole, obviously (laughs) the budge stuff is a joke, but how much of it's true that they wanted him to cut his hair and be a manager, Keith, Keith Lee's manager. And then they just cut Keith Lee. It's, it's just frustrating as a fan to see these guys that have so much talent <laughs> and, and, and the WWE just doesn't see it. They don't know how to handle it. Um, and, and it just seems like, the, the, I, like you said, the amount of people that have been released just from WWE could start another company. But then you add in the ROH stuff that happened a few weeks ago. It's it's just sad to see all these guys because not all of them are going to be able to make a living at this point doing wrestling. And then you're just seeing, you know, WWE just wants to hire a bunch of D1 athletes that didn't make it to football, you know, didn't make it into the NFL. And you're seeing these guys that really dedicated their time to this craft and, and have loved professional wrestling, which there's nothing wrong with somebody switching into that. Big E is a great example of someone who's an amazing wrestler now. And was originally a defensive lineman for Ohio or Iowa. So it's not a shot against that all the time. It's just for me, I want to see these guys get get what what they're due. Yeah. Uh this was my cringe of the week as well. And I think both of you guys as HR professionals really have some good insight into it and said it perfectly. Um it sucks to see stuff like on it looked like Lindsay Dorado was having some trouble with like Twitter trolls, uh, people wishing him like good for you to get in your future endeavors. And to just, these are people who, yeah, we see them on TV, but it's not like they live this glamorous life or anything. Like they, this, this is still their job. They were a, uh, they're employees of a company. And it's just sad to think like you would say that to another person if they got fired from their corporate business job or a job at, a restaurant it just sucks and it really kind of begs the question just to later in january who's left to even compete in the royal rumble who's not going to be a champion and then end up winning their own main event match for wrestlemania uh hopefully hopefully it just really works out for wwe but it's it's hard to see people like keith lee go and even uh ember moon uh to release someone who's such a great female wrestler What in the time when it's really starting to pick up, they're just sticking with their casual three Charlotte, Becky and Sasha feuds with, we need to diversify the world. And hopefully if those two came over to AEW, that'd be great. I think those two would really gel well. Um, we, we have Brian cage as a big monster, but I think Keith Lee was a much more dynamic character that the fans loved over Brian Cage. So hopefully some good comes out of this cringe, but it's awful to see a company just cut that many people like that right after Q3. 
Yeah. And everyone can relate to it too, as like a, uh, times are tough. The economy is so uncertain and everyone is hyper paranoid about work right now and just the stability of what you're doing and what's happening in the world. And they just don't need to do this with their, uh, revenues that are coming in. Uh, I've read this online and I forget and I, So I'm not claiming it as my own, but it was just a funny observation of like, you know, they probably shouldn't have waited to do this after the rumble because they're going to need to, like you said, fill those spots. But then at the same point, it's like, are they going to have like Eva Marie as like a legend one day? You know, or just like, ugh, <laughs> like, it's so weird. Like, uh, I don't know. And, and the, but I don't want to imagine that. What's that? I don't want to imagine that timeline where Eva Marie is a, a legend. That's well, the worst timeline. Because of what they've done with their roster, Kelly Kelly was a legend. Yeah. What the fuck? I'm sure she's a lovely lady in real life, but no fucking way. Medusa Kelly Kelly. Which one is not like that? Uh, Again, I'm sure she's a lovely, lovely person, so don't be offended if you never listen to this, Kelly Kelly. Uh, But Keith Lee is universally adored, I think, by anyone of any community. And, like, he's such a demographic. Like, like he fits in any demographic. And like, especially with WWE wanting to be more diverse, it's even more mind boggling right now. Like, again, not to be crass and cynical, but just like that is a person that is going to be captivated for every background. Why would you want to get rid of someone like that? It just boggles the mind that you couldn't figure out what to do with them. And you didn't see something in him when everyone goes, I want to be like that guy. That guy's fucking cool. They put a shirt on him or put him in that weird outfit too, where... I, I understand that there's like the aesthetically pleasing thing that Vince has, but he just looked cool with like in his regular gear, like singlet. He, yeah. Like I, it was just weird that they, they've always had that like weird fascination with like making sure that like bigger guys wear a shirt. It's like wearing a shirt in the pool. It doesn't hide anything. If anything, it just <laughs> accentuates everything. <laughs> I do want to see as a documentary though, like the cuts, like that has to be so bizarre. Like those conversations, I would pay so much money to watch that of what Vince says or what creative is spinning out with, that he's like, that's such a great idea to give them an occupation gimmick. He just won't be able to get it over though. Let's get rid of him. Just the idea that like, like oh, we got to make Keith Lee a soccer player from Venezuela. That'll get over. And then just, nope, probably not good enough to pull off that kind of great material. Oh, that's got to be yeah. the the most frustrating job to be a, a writer for WWE, especially if you're a fan. I know there's people who become writer who are you know Hollywood writers that go get hired by WWE. At least for them, they're probably like whatever. But if you're a fan of wrestling and you're pitching all these ideas, and then they're getting shot down, so that instead you can and do whatever it is they end up doing, it would be incredibly frustrating. Yeah, and that's something Definitely. I wanted to go back to too, just the frustration and the frame of reference and how they how they're branding themselves. You're not going to attract wrestling wrestlers who want to become wrestlers anymore. You're just going to attract people who want to be stars and that's opening yourself up for all sorts of headaches to have that type of mentality on your roster. Of course you want it to be competitive and you want it to be an aggressive one, but you don't want to have people who aren't fans of wrestling. You can't have a wrestling company that's uh, written by people who hate wrestling and are embarrassed by it and have performers who don't want to be in it long term and think they can be in Fast and Furious 24 one day. It's just a bad recipe. Um, and for the wrestling community at large to thrive, WWE needs to be doing better creatively 
and they're just not on that path right now with pissing everyone off their own their own employees fans uh, it's it, it's a bad time for them, and I wish they were more conscientious. We joke about Cody being tone deaf, but good God, he's not. He's different worlds, and people can't compare them. It's, a, it's such a false equivalency. As a last note, I just also want to. I understand that WWE is a business; they're publicly traded, so they have shareholders that they do report to. However, it's crazy to think that. Ring of Honor, when they weren't running shows during the pandemic, still paid their wrestlers like they were running shows. They didn't cut their pay. They didn't release anybody. They just continued paying them. And WWE is posting higher than ever revenues, profits, all of these things, and just continuing to cut people in this kind of crazy time a week after the ROH announcement which I understand you can't really take that into consideration when you're making business decisions. Like you can't, Oh, it's their birthday. We can't let them go. Cause it was Keith Lee's birthday two days after he got let go. You can't hold that against somebody, but it's also just, it kind of goes back to the whole tone deaf part of it where you couldn't just let some other people's contracts run out or, or just kind of figure something out. It just seems a little weird. And then I guess I could go on this all day because it also frustrates me that multiple couples were released. So not only did one person lose their job, but an entire household likely did. <laughs> it feels weird to go into my cringe of the week after that. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> my cringe of the week, I actually I went with with the America Top Team versus Inner Circle, which, to be honest, the last few weeks, I feel like this could be everybody's cringe of the week every week. It's just it's old. If they would have just done the one match and been okay with it, I would have been fine. But I don't need to keep hearing these promos against each other. I like Dan Lambert. Um, I think the American top team, they did pretty good in their first match that they had, considering the fact that it was a bunch of UFC guys. But we touched on it last week. I think Jericho's sense of humor isn't that. It's it's just so lowbrow to me. Like the whole, oh, you want to take on five guys at once, Paige Van Zandt? Like I saw people on... Squared circle acting like, whoa, she really set him up for that one. That was a killer line. And I I thought that that was the least funny way that he could have worded that even or even I, I just didn't think that it was a joke that was that good. And I'm just I I don't like Jericho trying to be funny, really. He's great at reinventing himself. The list stuff, that's funny. But when he's trying to do like that humor, like almost like Cena type humor or even the rock type humor does not connect with me. I'm ready for this feud to be over. And I hope I'm, I'm hoping and hoping that it does end come full gear. But I honestly don't even know that I believe that because it feels like Jericho, every single feud he does, he needs to add one more la- layer to it. So like the last one went four matches. So now he's got to go five matches to the next one. Yeah, he really goes after the, the lowest hanging fruit um, with all of his jokes now and just it really hurts to see him in that. And like, we all kind of expected Dan Lambert to just end up in this match and it. We just dragged it on for four weeks, probably even longer. If we go back to when this all started that we all knew it was going to end in him being in the ring, getting his put in the walls of Jericho or getting hit with a Judas effect, whatever it's called. It's, it just needs to get over with as soon as possible. Hopefully it's quick and easy on, on the, the full gear pay-per-view 
and then we can be done. But yeah, like like you said, we kind of know it's all. There's one more in him with Jericho. A feud is never done with him. Uh, so then you both had the same cringe of the week. So we'll actually, wow, we're moving right along to uh, our anticipation. Chris, what are you anticipating looking forward to uh, the next week? I cannot wait to see Pac wrestle Dax Harwood. That's going to be amazing. I was going to say fantastic, but I realized listening to the show last week, I said fantastic about 5,000 times. So I'm really trying to make myself not say fantastic. For those of you that don't know, just this inside humor between the three of us. When I would talk about something I was looking forward to, like I would get so hyped about things and I would say, this is going to be fun. But I never realized how much I said fun. So Alex and John just break my balls about how much I overuse fun. So I was trying not to say fun the entire time. And so I said fantastic last week because I was so happy with the show that I just had so many positive superlatives to use. I said fantastic about 50,000 times on that. It was like, holy shit, dude, you got to use another adjective. But I think that match is going to be fantastic and fun. My favorite part of your use of the word fun is that you always say it in a, in a very casual way. So it doesn't sound like you actually no. think it'll be fun. Like if we're talking in person, you're like, oh yeah, that'll be fun. And so it instantly, <laughs> casual as hell. It, it instantly sounds like you actually don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be fun. I am, I am looking, <laughs> I am looking forward to that match. It's, it's always cool to see. Uh, Dax or uh, Cash do some solo stuff. I'm sure that they'll both be out there and there'll be some sort of shenanigans, but it'll be it'll be nice to get to see uh, a solo Dax Harwood match. Yeah, and, and the tag wrestlers don't do enough single matches and they can take a loss and it's an easy way to keep someone protected. Everyone's so self-conscious about 50-50 booking and protecting wrestlers and so forth like that. But this is a great way for him to look good, get some shine, but to take the loss and make Pac look great. And he's a perfect wrestler to do it. So it'll be a interesting clash to have styles as well. Uh, so I just cannot wait for that. They've been hitting it out of the ballpark the last couple of weeks. They're guys that uh, really take advantage of the TV time that they get. So I can only imagine how good the match will be. Hopefully it does get some time. And this will be one of those sneaky four-star matches that we didn't see coming. Yeah. And you got to think that this is going to have some kind of involvement into the weird four-way dynamic we have between Cody, Pac, Andrade, and Malachi. Uh, You got to think Cody is going to come out here, maybe interfere a bit if uh, Cash starts acting a fool on the, the apron there. But yes, this will be a, such a styles clash and two pasty white men in a ring. is nothing better to see. <laughs> I, I want to also compliment uh, Dax's mustache that he's got the Movember look it's going. Thick. Thick. I got he rid of mine the other day. I had a damn good yeah. beard going and I, I got it. I got rid of it on last night. I just had the mustache and my wife just was repulsed. So uh <laughs> yeah, it's, you just texted it, us like two days ago and you're like, think about keeping this for a while. Right. <laughs> I was, and then it just got to a point where it was so itchy on my face that I couldn't handle oh, yeah. it. But hey, speaking of FTR guys in their hair, Cash has a kick-ass mullet. It's like a subtle mullet. It's like a subtle it, but that shit is looking good. He looks almost like hair. Damon Auburn from, uh, from Blur. He's got that kind of a style going now. I love it. 
Yeah, it's it's definitely a little bit tamer than uh, the Pillman. Yeah, that was wild and loose like he was. Sean, what is it that uh, what has has your blood flowing? Um, for my uh, anticipation, I uh, I truly added a week to the calendar this year and thought we still had another week to go before full gear, but it's here and uh, they really made the builds to it show this week in dynamite and rampage omega versus hangman the the best bout machine versus cowboy shit uh really really just sparking my interest uh obviously it's going to be the main event but uh excalibur said something about this being the most confident hangman we've seen to date and i think it shows and it's going to be that difference maker in this match that hopefully gets him to finally be that aew champion that he said he was going to be back before this even started um we talked about Punk and Kingston earlier. It took ten minute, all but ten minutes for us to be peaked and ready for this match. Uh, but constantly on a week to week basis, MJF and Darby have really showed that they're the the uh, pillars of the future generation, and we're really going to see that culmination at full gear. That's going to be great to see on the future. Um, we get that high school kid versus the the weird goth and. MJF said something about he's never going to fit in and he's never going to win. And it's something I think we see with MJF. He's able to beat people down and break their psychology and end up scoring the win. So hopefully uh, it's going to be as good as a match as I'm hoping, but we'll get more into that on uh, the full gear preview show later this week uh, on Friday. Alex, what about you? You got a anticipation? Yeah. And before I get to it, I just want to say, the MJF and Darby brawl was another thing that I wanted to make my moment of the week. I loved that. I feel like we don't actually, it was great. The whole Darby running from the crowd and flipping him over the barricade and just the fight. And I feel like we don't usually see MJF actually ever mix it up with anybody except in the ring. And even then he acts like a chicken shit heel. So it was good to see him and Darby actually brawling in the audience for a little bit. And kind of just getting another side of it, seeing Darby not be an idiot face that always is falling for it or always letting MJF get away. The fact that he had Sting already prepared to back him up with all those other uh, guys as well. It was just a really well done segment. I think, you know, when I do look at the pillars of AEW, those are my two favorites. So it'll be a really good match. Um, Definitely looking forward to kind of breaking it down a little bit more on that preview show. And then for me, my anticipation is Brian Danielson, do not want to have to sing Bailey's theme song, uh, versus Rocky Romero (laughs) for this week on AEW Dynamite. Uh, Danielson has been just great match after great match after great match after great match. And Rocky Romero is a guy who I think is very underappreciated. Obviously, he does a lot of front office stuff for New Japan, but he's also great in the ring. He's been a great tag team wrestler with guys like Trent. And it's just exciting to kind of get to have a chance to wrestle on Dynamite. Um, I'm pretty sure he actually might have roomed with uh, Danielson back in the day. So that's another kind of just small thing that makes it even more interesting. And you just, you know that that match, any any Danielson match that you have, the bar is a three star, but you're probably going to get more, especially with somebody who is as, seasoned and as much of a professional as Rocky Romero. So just absolutely stoked for that match. It was kind of a surprise. I, I know I keep complaining about this. I complained about it with punk, 
but I'm ready for like Danielson to stop just kind of having these like match after match that are kind of random. Like, you know, he had uh, Anthony Bowens on Friday, but there was no real build up to it. Like, I just want to see Danielson face people in a true feud. Um, but at the same time, I can't complain too much because I'm excited to see this match. Yeah, it's definitely really easy to be anticipation for any kind of Brian Danielson match uh, when he puts on four star after four star with us. And him and Rocky are definitely someone who will be able to mesh well in the ring. And I think he's going to be able to really work him over pretty well with some submissions in the match. And uh, that'll be a great little uh, Kickstarter till we get to that Miro match later. Yeah, and, I, and I'm assuming that he'll probably end up winning the tournament. And so they're padding his resume with wins just so he can maybe see, be seen as more of a viable number one contender. I don't know. But just to give him more victories uh, makes sense psychologically with just the setup of the promotion of having someone win X amount before they get granted a title match. Like granted, winning the tournament should give you that opportunity right there. But I do like that he's facing so many different guys. Yeah, maybe they're overdoing it and he's wrestling a little bit too much. But at the same point, he's not going to get as over on the mic as he is in the ring, probably. So it makes sense for him to just be wrestling different guys in different shapes and different styles and doing a good job of making everyone look credible, even though he's rebuilding his legacy here. And we had talked about at the beginning, your match of the week being that FTR and uh, Aerostar and Samurai del Sol. It's funny to see Danielson refuses to do the yes chant with anything, but Samurai del Sol is throwing up the Lucha Lucha chant. Yes. He's working that hard. <laughs> He's getting tired. Right. <laughs> He's getting his shit in, brother. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Gotta work my uh, goddamn gimmick. Gotta get live the gimmick. <laughs> Well, that uh, that wraps us up. I'm I'm really excited for this week. I think Wednesday is going to be great. Friday is going to be great, and Saturday is going to be even better than both of those, uh, with full gear actually being here. A uh, little little sad that we didn't get the nod here in Detroit, and it went to Minnesota uh, for that mat or for this show. But hopefully, hopefully, we'll get that soon. Um, I know they've got to do a pay per view here soon. I mean, it's something. A goddamn year. Come on. Yeah, and it's a great wrestling town, and and hopefully, uh, hopefully they'll see that soon. But overall, I think you know we've we've got another card that just kind of is sneaky, really, really good. Obviously, yeah. we've we've talked yeah. about being excited about it, but at the same time, it's it's just all of a sudden really built up these last two weeks. We're like, oh my gosh, this is going to be really, really good. So yeah, I, um, I agree. Like, and I think this is a show on paper that's like all time fantastic. Yes. Yeah, and them being able to uh them being able to follow up all out with a very strong card because there's not going to be another Adam Cole debuts and then Brian Danielson immediately debuts right after. Might might there be a Bray Wyatt or something? Sure, but that there's no way that they can make that more exciting in my opinion than the end of All Out. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing that this card needs to have a surprise this just needs to we need to see match after match and each one is going to speak for itself about why this is the greatest uh, wrestling promotion out there currently yeah not a single match in the card i'm not looking forward to i'm even looking forward to the inner circle match just because i want to see those mma guys wrestle like i just want to see what happens with them and i like the ending of dan lambert getting the shit kicked out of them so i'm looking forward to it there's not a single match that i don't think is going to be pretty damn good 
So it'll be a fun build. And something I was thinking of too the other day is like, I wonder how many people impulse buy versus people who do plan to buy a pay-per-view three weeks in advance. Because we can complain about the storylines being like, well, they didn't really do enough for Punk or like, what are they doing with him? Or, And I even thought this at times, the build to Hangman and Kenny wasn't as emotional as their earlier feuds. But at the same point, like if you know you're going to buy it, what does it matter? Or conversely, like most people will buy it Saturday morning or Saturday at five o'clock before it starts. So it's like, I, I don't know. Do, do they, do they need to go so heavy four weeks in advance? And is that just to satisfy fans like me that remember in the nineties announcing the pay-per-view card with me, Gene and the, you know, gimmick center. So who knows like it, what, what makes people buy and when, but it is such a great lineup of matches. There's not a single match on there that looks like shit or is going to be embarrassing to watch or is just on there as filler. Yeah, it hasn't been a question. We've we've mentioned it before. There hasn't been a single pay-per-view that they've had where I've even thought, do I want to buy this? It's a it's an automatic every time. Even the first pandemic one, I I knew that we wanted to, to buy it. Um, Ooh, so no regrets. You always know you're going to get get your money's worth. So definitely look out for our uh, full gear preview. As you could tell, we're excited about it. And I think we're going to, we're going to have some really good conversation around all of the matches. So please check us out. Uh, That should be out on Friday morning. And then, as I said earlier, please make sure that you're uh, checking out our website for all the articles coming out. We've got our weekly star ratings. We've got articles from Chris and myself that we mentioned earlier coming out. Um, Some other things that I'm working on, in terms of future articles would be stuff around uh, Brody Lee as we come up on his one year anniversary of his passing and kind of that tribute show. That was the best tribute show I've ever seen. I also want to do some stuff about comedy in wrestling. I I think that there's some, some great touches to it here in uh, AEW and then even on the indies and, and just kind of talking about people like Colt Cabana who have really brought that to the forefront and then some other match reviews. So definitely keep your eye out on all of that. Uh, Please make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Please share this podcast with your friends. We're having a really fun time doing this, and hopefully it it gets more and more, uh, you know, gets more and more traction for us, and we're able to do even more shows, but we're definitely going to be adding this full gear preview. After the the pay-per-view, we'll also be doing our kind of reaction. I think that'll be next week's episode. We'll just mostly be focusing on the reaction to the pay-per-view. And then, um, you know, we've also got those ideas around book reviews and other things like that. So definitely keep an eye out, tell a friend to tell a friend, and I think it's time to hit the music. Hit the music.